Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. see so many of you gathered here for this what you might call a mega feast it's sort of like taking all of the saints that we celebrate individually throughout the year and kind of combining them into one in addition to all those who are in heaven who are not formally canonized by the church which god willing um, is many 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 people hopefully many of our loved ones um, also uh, at the noon mass today and at the 7 p.m today it's good to see a handful of kids kind of dressed up as, as saints but just so you're aware, our lector today was, was not dressing up. He is a bona fide monk. <laughs> um, so that was not a costume. That's legit what they call a kukula, which uh, sort of like solemn robes that, that monks wear on, on, on high feast days. So um, not an outfit, legit. If you have any questions about monastic life, I'm sure Brother Maximilian would be happy to answer them uh, after Mass. Okay, All Saints Day. Why is today a holy day of obligation, except this year when it falls on Monday and it's not? But really glad you're here anyway to, to, uh, to pray and, and to ask the intercession of all the saints. Um, I think one of the reasons it's a holy day of obligation is that uh, for those who aren't able because of job situations or whatever to, to come to masses, like daily masses throughout the year to celebrate individual saints, um, the church wants us to reflect at least once a year um, on our, our brothers and sisters that have made it um, to heaven. And so she makes this day uh, obligatory. The church wants the saints in heaven to be a part of our life on earth. Um, the church wants us to have relationships with different saints and to ask their uh, intercession. Um, and the church wants us to, to imitate their lives, to reflect on, on how they lived um, and to, to imitate their virtue. The church also wants us to be simply inspired by the way they, they've lived um, to become who each of us is meant to be because all of us is meant to be a saint as well. Uh, some of you have probably heard uh, a common, uh, well-quoted line from a Frenchman in the late 1800s named Leon Blois, I think is how you say his name. Um, he basically said, the, the only tragedy in life is not to have been a saint. The only tragedy in life is not to have been a saint, for a whole variety of reasons. Um, but it's a good thing for us to kind of latch on to today, that, that really the only, the only sadness in life ultimately, when we reflect on life as a whole, the only thing with like legitimate enduring sadness is not to have come to the fullest possible union with God that we could have, right? Because that's what we're, we're made for in the deepest part of our being. So when we reflect on this, this what is required to engage the deepest possible union with God in this life, to become a saint, to become holy, um, I think it's helpful to start by correcting at least a couple misconceptions about this pursuit of holiness. The, the first thing is that deep sort of abiding holiness, the kind of holiness we see in the saints that, that stories are told about and who are celebrated in the church's calendar, there's a misconception that that sort of holiness is not for everyone. Um, that it's only for a select few. Um, 
that it's for priests or religious or missionaries or, or whoever. Um, and this is just a false uh, assumption. It's just false. It's, it's, it's against our faith, actually. The church teaches that all are called to the, the fullest possible holiness in this life, which is often called the universal call to holiness. So it's important um, that even if on an intellectual level, maybe we recognize this, and I think there are a lot of people that do, um, that we make sure that we actually embed it in our daily life. That like, no, I, I should live my daily life as if one day my face could be hanging on a banner in St. Peter's Square and people could be proclaiming me a saint. Like that's the intentionality with which I should um, pursue this goal, right? This is, this is a very important thing to be aware of, that even if I accept conception, oh yeah, the universal call of holiness, that's great. Do I actually try and live in such a way that that, that could actually be possible? <laughs> Where people could be asking publicly for my intercession on some feast day that, you know, is the day of my death, which is usually when they establish these feast days. Like, do I actually, do I actually conceive of that as, as a possibility? Do I actually live in such a way that that, that might actually occur. Um, that's how the church wants us to live. That's also what's going to give us the greatest joy. <laughs> um, so why wouldn't we want to pursue that? A second misconception that many people have, um, and again, this is something where I think there's many layers. I think a lot of us perhaps will acknowledge, like we won't have this misconception on an intellectual level, but the choices we make throughout a day will kind of betray the fact that we do actually live from this sort of misconception. Um, and that is that like the pursuit of holiness um, is boring, right? It, it's, it's a very subtle trick of the devil to convince us at different points in our life, at different moments just in our normal day, that for me to give all of myself to this conversation with somebody is somehow like going to sap my joy that it's not gonna be adventurous or interesting, or that to give my whole self to this boring spreadsheet that's in front of me, right? Like, this, this very normal thing, like if I give my whole self to this, that somehow God is gonna leave me high and dry and just empty, right? We, we, we live often from this sort of subtle misconception that if I really live 100% for God, offering everything to Him with as much love as I can muster, that somehow he's gonna leave me empty, that like it's not gonna be fulfilling, that it's gonna be bland, right? That the things of the world, the things that are shiny are, are much more, much more exciting. So we have to we have to make sure that even if on a conceptual level we admit, yeah, of course I know that holiness isn't boring, that the most exciting thing in this life is pursuing a relationship with God full on. We have to make sure that we're actually making choices moment to moment um, that line up with that. And we have to call to mind too the drama of sort of this pursuit of holiness, right? That there are real spiritual enemies out there. <laughs> that there are demons and Satan himself who is making war against us, against our family and our friends, so that we don't make it to heaven. That's dramatic, <laughs> right? That should hopefully get us a little bit energized and, and, and fired up. Right, that, that eternal souls within our spheres of influence are at stake based upon how well I love God or not. This is, this is a very dramatic thing to think about. So you make sure that we don't live our daily life sort of stuck 
in, in a mindset, even if it's subconscious, that like doing these things full on, trusting God with even the tiniest detail that somehow I'm going to be left unsatisfied or, or that I'm going to be bored with it or that it won't be, um, it won't be full of life, right? So how do we really begin growing in this sort of like deep and abiding holiness that would make it possible for us to one day become a canonizable saint? Many things we could say, I'm just going to give you three things. All of these I've talked about before at different points in Sunday homilies. Some of you probably heard them too many times by now, but we all, we all need to hear these. So the first thing is determination, right? Determination. We have to, we have to want to become a saint. It sounds so simple, it's, it's almost unnecessary to say, but, but we have to want it. Um, and, and many of us, I think, don't actually want it, partly because of the fear that comes with knowing that if I really give myself totally to God, He's going to demand sacrifices of me. He's going to give me crosses. And so we're afraid. We're not determined um, to really become truly holy. But we have, to, we have to want this. It's important to know, too, that the reason becoming a saint is so difficult is not because God's just sort of up there and He's like, oh, like, I want to make it really hard for these people to, like, become a saint and to, like, love me well. No, it's because of original sin, we have all these attachments to things that aren't God. And it's painful to give those things up. That's why it's difficult to become a saint. Not because God has sort of devised this weird plan where he gets some kind of delight out of seeing us like really struggle really hard. It's a consequence of our parents' first fall. We have all these attachments and so becoming really holy is difficult, right? The Lord gives us all the help that he can without violating our freedom. He, he wants it a lot more than we do. <laughs> um, he tries to make it as easy as possible, um, but it's hard because of our attachments. So we have to be determined. Thomas Aquinas famously said this when his sister asked him, brother, like, what does it take to become a saint? And he said, will it? <laughs> right, in his sort of characteristic conciseness, he said, will it? Teresa of Avila would always talk about this, this determination. She would constantly repeat this to the nuns under her care. You have to be determined, right? Um, she said this at one point. She said, it is most important, all important, that they, these nuns she was referring to, that they should begin by making an earnest and most determined resolve not to halt until they reach their goal, whatever may come, whatever may happen to them, right? A quote that I really love from St. Jose Maria, he's writing to a sort of a disciple of his who wants to become holy and, and become a saint, and he, he tells him, he says, you tell me, yes, that you want to become holy, very good. But do you want it as a miser longs for gold, as a mother loves her child, as a worldling craves for honors, or as a wretched sensualist seeks his pleasure? No, then you don't want to. <laughs> I just stick the dagger right in the heart and turn it a little bit, <laughs> right? It's like if, 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 you, if you say you wanna become holy, but your determination doesn't even come close to matching those people and their love for earthly things, even greater earthly things, such as someone's child. If it, if it doesn't come close to that, then you don't actu you're not actually really determined to become a saint. Strong words. So we need to be determined. Second thing, we need a plan. 
Becoming a saint uh, doesn't happen by accident. You want to become a great chef, you need a plan. You gotta go to school, gotta study this, gotta learn these things. You want to become a professional athlete, requires a plan. It's not going to happen by accident. You're not going to show up at the NFL Combine and just sort of magically be drafted by an NFL team. It requires a plan. Same with, with sanctity is a lot harder than making an NFL team, right? Like sanctity is much more difficult than that. And so if we think that we're going to someday become a saint without a plan of some kind, we're just totally deluding ourselves. Right? We need a plan. How am I going to pray? When am I going to pray? What am I going to pray? What's my plan for apostolate? Like, how am I going to bring people to know the Lord? What's my plan for deepening my love with my husband or my wife? What's my plan for, like, forming my children in better and better ways in this area and that area? What's my plan for offering to God my work throughout the day with greater and greater love? And we need plans. We have to make these concrete resolutions to, like, do these things with more love, with more consistency, with more conviction. It, it won't happen by accident. So we need a plan. We need to be determined, and we need a plan. Finally, I think it's helpful to be re-inspired consistently to pursue this goal by becoming familiar with the lives of the saints. Right? It's going to be very difficult to become a saint ourselves if we haven't had at least some familiarity with reading the lives of the saints and seeing just how radical they were. Right? Simple. They were simple in their love for God. But that displayed itself in a very radical way of life. Um, so if we're not familiar with like at least some general contours of lives of certain saints, it's going to be hard for us to have an image of like, what does radical love of God really look like? So I would just encourage you, if, you, if, you're, not, if, if you're not sort of familiar with many saints' lives, to pick up some biographies, to, to begin somewhere. Right? The first saint biography I ever read, I was 15 years old, um, it was The Forty Dreams of St. John Bosco. Fascinating book. Very compelling, especially for a 15-year-old boy to read these dramatic and vivid dreams of this Italian priest in the 19th century. Vivid images of the Pope and Mary and the Eucharist and like these orphan boys that he would bring off the street and form in the faith. One of them later became a saint. The Lord would give him dreams about them. Oh, this this kid, who, you know, this teenage boy who seems on the outside to be very pious but is stuck in mortal sin, right? It, like, reading about those, those dreams and also just the way that John Bosco lived his life brought the drama of all of this to life for me as a 15-year-old. And since then, I've read dozens of Lives of the Saints and, you know, many, many that I could encourage you to pick up. But just start somewhere, you know, find a saint that you're drawn to and, and, and read about their life. Many other saints have become saints by reading about the lives of saints. St. Saint Ignatius of Loyola is in this category. Um, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Edith Stein, she stayed up all night one night reading the autobiography of Teresa of Avila and at the end was like, this is the truth. And she herself then went on to become a saint. Right? We, have to, we have to become familiar with their lives so we know what it looks like to really live radically for the Lord. I want to close with a quote from... Um, author named Father Thomas Dubay on uh, holiness as, in particular, as the means to change the world. Oftentimes, this is another aspect of being saintly, being holy, that it, it changes people, it changes the world. Oftentimes, we can get too stuck with like methods or programs. No, it's the people in those methods or programs that are going to change the world, saints in particular. So he says this, he says, if, 
If we wonder why, despite the millions of us who follow Christ, the world has not long ago been converted, we need not look far for one solution. We are not perceived as men and women on fire. We look too much like everyone else. We appear to be compromisers, people who say that they believe in everlasting life, but actually live as though this life is the only one we have. A small band of men with deep convictions, burning convictions, went out into the first century and converted the then known world. Our world right now needs one thing more than ever, which is that you and I become saints of today, be inspired by all the saints that have gone before us, and maybe just leave Mass today with at least one, one resolution of how you can take a next step in pursuing the ultimate goal of life, which is, which is to love God with, with everything that we have.